This is Shano Speaks, the show that aims to inspire action through different stories and where random thoughts are highly encouraged. This episode is exciting for me kasi wala ako masyado alam about this topic. So disclaimer na din. Um, if pares tayo, I hope you guys get clarity and learn something from this episode. So my guest today is a managing partner at a digital marketing agency. And is one of the first people I saw who does play to earn and NFTs. Uh, Mr. Miggy Azrin. Yeah. What's up? What's up? <laughs> what's up, man? Quick story lang before you share with us. Miggy and I were part of the math club nung grade school. Hangas, ba? But I was there kasi I think grade 4 or 5, I was struggling with math. So instead na magbayad for a tutor, sumali na lang ako ng math club. Like kesa something fun like football club or, you know, chess, whatever. Ewan ka lang kayo, Miggy, but siya nandun? <laughs> What kind of math club, bro? Dude, you know what? I don't remember being part of that. When you mentioned it, I, I really had to try to dig yeah. deep into my memories. And wala talaga. <laughs> I, can't, a, I can't remember, but yeah. I think you were great. <laughs> I was sure I remember it because yun yung part na ayoko talaga yung year na yun. Sobrang struggle, tas math club ka pa, di ba? Wala ka nang ginawa, hindi mag-math. Pero yeah, tas tawagan pa natin was Jigaboo. Yeah. Labo, I don't. That's what I, remember. That's what I, I don't remember. know where we got that. Ah, uh, dude, we got it from white chicks. <laughs> so yeah, so, alam mo so, ng timeline ng bago pa lang yung white chicks, guys. So uh, yeah, what course did you take in college, bro? And did you know that you were going to do digital marketing? Okay, so uh, I took BS management, uh, and I minored in international business um and, and funny enough i i didn't think that i would get into marketing so uh sometime in my senior year i actually decided that i didn't want to do corporate but i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do also so i thought that entrepreneurship was the the route but you know uh, no concrete plan or idea so I, uh, after I graduated, uh, I, I didn't take any of the offers that I had applied for. And I tried starting all of these different business mm -hmm. ideas. So I, I tried food, retail, uh, I tried tech, uh, and then nothing really quite panned out for me. And then after a year and a half of just, you know, trying whatever, uh, I, I actually almost threw in the towel. Um, I, I started looking for work again, but I did, I, I threw one last Hail Mary and I was like, all right, um, let me try doing freelance marketing work. You know, maybe that, maybe that might work out well for me. Um, and it did, it did it. Uh, that's what got my, uh, that, that's what got, caught my attention. I, I, I figured that, oh, um, I'm actually pretty okay at this, right? I, I could turn this into a career. And that just snowballed into uh, my marketing agency now, which uh, has been running for uh, more than five years already. Um, wow, yeah. congrats. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So that's um, Husky Digital, right? Yes, correct, correct. That's uh, So that's how it started. Tell us more about Husky Digital, man. Because 
I remember sobrang, yun nga, you're ahead of the curve like when people weren't into freelancing pa. May, may ano ka na, marketing agency ka na. So, tell us more about Husky Digital. Yeah, sure. So, we're an e-commerce marketing agency. Uh, we specialize primarily in retail, pharma, and agriculture. So, most of our clients are mm. in that space. Um, and we really offer just three things. So, the first one is digital strategy. So, for many of our clients, they don't have a digital approach yet. So, we kind of help them uh, plan that out. We, we help map out what opportunities they should take advantage of. Um, the second thing is paid advertising. So we this is actually our bread and butter. We run a lot mm-hmm. of Facebook, Google, YouTube, uh, and TikTok ads. So for many of our clients, this is how they reach many of their uh, customers online. So we okay. uh, push out content to their target market. Uh, and we get them to buy from our clients' e-commerce stores, basically. And then, uh, you know, to round that whole thing up is uh, the analytics part. So for uh, a lot of our clients, they really don't understand how to look at the numbers. And uh, that's the service that we provide. We help them condense all of their data. And we try to pick out insights that we can share with them to help improve their business. Galing, galing. And then from the start, how many were you in the team? So we started out around five. Um, and then we went all the way up about, I think, nine or ten people. And then uh, during the pandemic, many of uh, my colleagues, they you know looked at other opportunities. And uh, I actually thought for a while we wouldn't be able to continue anymore. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that turned out... Uh, good for us i mean the pandemic it was uh it was really bad for us at the start but then it quickly improved so we were able to rebuild the team and and rebuild our operations so now we're at uh actually eight people now eight people and uh, we're going to be onboarding a few more people in the the coming weeks nice nice and kanya-kanyang specialty kayo doon yeah yeah uh basically covering those three things that i had mentioned the strat the paid media, and the analytics. Galing. Yeah, I heard TikTok ads. Laki daw talaga ngayon, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm super bullish on TikTok. Um, and actually, the, the way that I like to look at it is I am platform agnostic. Uh, I, I just follow where the attention is. So mm. if one day the attention is no longer on Facebook, um, I won't be afraid to... <laughs> Uh, make that call for our clients that we have to move on to other platforms. And and the way that I see it right now, uh, TikTok is becoming is going to become one of those platforms where everybody's just going to be at. So uh, we're we're trying to get ahead and uh, start operations there. Galing, galing. I like that you said that, bro. Because that's how you know businesses strive eh, when they know how to adapt, deba. Because if like focus kayo masyado sa FB ads, eh, everything's changing. TikTok's like, di ba, the new ad place to be. And that's good na you guys adapt. And yun nga, what you said, yung agnostic. Platform, platform agnostic. agnostic. Galing. Agnostic. Ayos, ayos. Okay, um, do you remember your first client sa Husky Digital? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, So, oh, uh, I, I thought this was funny to share. Mm. So, when I made that decision to uh get into freelancing, my biggest problem was up until that point, I had no experience. <laughs> right? Because all I had to show for at that time was 
failed business ventures, right? So I didn't have a corporate job. I had no corporate experience. I had no success running any business. So it was a little hard for me to get into freelance marketing because I have no track record. So what I did in my first month was I actually offered my services for free to anyone that needed any sort of marketing work. So if it were social media management, if it were content design or graphic design, copywriting, research, anything that they needed in uh, marketing, I, I provided. Um, and it was funny. So I, I basically just had to immerse myself with uh, all of this, all of these content online. So I, I just consumed a lot of videos, <laughs> articles, I interviewed people, and that's just really how I, how I learned. Um, so after that first month, I, I, I actually had about 12 companies sign up for my free service. So I wow. did a variety of tasks for people. And then after my first month, I, I, I got back to them and I said, Hey, you know what? If you want to keep my services, it's going to cost you this much. Mm-hmm. And three of them actually, uh, opted to hire me. So they were my first paid or paying clients. Uh, and, and yeah, like I mentioned earlier, after that, it was just, uh, snowball from it snowballed from one client to another and you know until i ended up with a decision to uh, to build a team and make a business out of it so actually yun nga, in freelancing talaga adaming na frustrate kasi yun nga, sometimes they don't have the experience that they're they're desperately looking for that client but if yun nga, you you give value first and kahit free lang yung services mo uh, ma appreciate yun ang mga clients mo and you can build your portfolio with that, diba? And malay mo nga, they retain you like what happened to you. And you only need that one client to give you the chance to to show what, what your service can ano, can do for them, diba? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm such a huge advocate for freelancing. Um, you know, because again, I, I came from that, that was my background and, and I know that it's very lucrative up to now. Um, and, and yeah, uh, my, I have a, my my mindset right now is, and this is something that I I you know I try to develop is, if for as long as I have a connection to the internet and then I'm able to access Google, YouTube, and all of these resources, there is nothing that I can't learn. Boom, tato, tato. Yeah, yeah, and and ito pa, cause my again like going back to my context, right? I I graduated, uh, and I had like no work experience. So from a situation where I had you know, the school telling me what to do and what not to do, I, I was just basically left on my own, right? Uh, I, I could learn whatever I wanted or I, I could say that you know, no one was there to mentor me. Um, and I, and I, chose the, I chose the former. So I, I chose to look at it as an opportunity to improve myself, to you know, be my own curriculum uh, creator. And and yeah, I just uh, I immersed myself so much in all of the uh, all, all of these you know, uh, videos and on articles and uh, even up to now it's it's the it's the mindset that I have that uh, I always want to learn something new. Mm-hmm. I'm always just trying to immerse myself in all of these new technologies and uh, and all of these new you know, strategies and and you know uh, uh, marketing trends um, because I'm I'm primarily driven by that uh, by the um, I would like to say that it's just strong ownership over my own learning and my own development. You know, I I don't I don't 
have anyone else do that for me. I take full ownership over that. Yeah, so that's what that's this podcast is for. Actually, it's for people who are curious and you know want to learn something new every time. Sa, so, kaya yung yung episodes ko are like iba-ibang topics. Um, what about yung mga kasabayan mo nung college na management? Anong ginagawa nila na ngayon? Uh, I I'd say it's a wide variety. Many of my batchmates they opted for corporate careers, so many of them are flourishing there. Um, yeah, that's still the, uh, at least the way that I see it, that, that was still the primary destination for many of my batchmates. Uh, they, you know, look to work in big corporations, um, because of the, obviously the, the work opportunities and the financial stability, it's still very lucrative. Um, a handful of them ventured out into entrepreneurship. So I do have a few batchmates that. Uh, have their own businesses now also, um, and I, I consider myself part of that small circle. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the majority uh, up to now, they're still uh, you know flourishing yeah in in corporate. Nothing bad about that, because yung mga kasabayan ko na corporate na since after graduation ng corporate sila, they climbed the corporate ladder as you call it. And and laki na nung kita nila, di ba? Tapos tayo parang sa freelance minsan shit yung client ko ba magretain? So uh, may ganong yeah. ano eh. <laughs> I remembered something. In Ateneo, the but there's like this thing na I think it's JSEC challenge burn or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the JSEC challenge. <laughs> so ilang per, like how many um projects do na nagiging full blown business after college? May mga alam ka bang ano? Uh okay. So so maybe just some context for your uh listeners. So the the JSEC challenge is an annual uh, food stall competition in Ateneo. So the idea is really simple. There are three phases uh, spread out throughout the year. And each phase has uh, a batch of food stalls that compete for uh, limited slots in JSEC, which is a, basically like a cafeteria or a food stall section in school. So there are only, if I remember correctly, I think there were only 17 or 18 slots. And uh, you know all of these food stalls compete for a chance to be one of those 17, 18 slots uh, the year after. Um, yeah, so I actually had the honor of being the project head of that in my senior year. Um, nice. that, that's definitely one of the you know the most like the, the best one of the best experiences I've ever had uh, managing a, a, a project that big. Um, and many. Of these stalls, um, actually, they they end up in JSEC for a year and uh, they don't see any other activity after. Uh, there are a handful of them that end up coming back again to school, but this time taking a slot in the main cafeteria. Uh, and even a smaller percentage of them ending up being you know businesses outside of school. So it's it's really rare company uh, to. To, to be in so most of them just you know they take their one year uh they have their fun and then after that they they don't continue anymore okay galing is it open to all students or only for management people oh so it's actually open to all students uh we take applications from any course um uh and and that whole process actually is just very tedious i'm i'm just i'm remembering it now uh, war flashbacks. Yeah, war flashbacks, man. <laughs> the, the whole prep is uh is insane, but it's just it's so fulfilling. 
Um, so just to give you an idea, each phase we probably have, I want to say like 20 or 30 stalls. Um, so throughout the year, there are, you know, up to 90 stalls competing for 7 to 18 spots. But prior to that, man, like we have 300, 400 applications that we go over. Um, so we look at their business feasibility, we look at their concept, we look at, you know, the team, uh, and we also try to curate the, the, the challenge, no? So, you know, we don't. Uh, so you're, you're in, you're, sorry to interrupt, yeah. you guys are handling that yung pag, um, pag screen no mga stalls. Yeah, yeah. So mahirap. So paano kung bias? Migi install. What what's good about this is that we had help from the faculty. Um, they they actually have majority of the influence. It's just really us who uh, curates the applications and uh, and and you know batches them together basically. But uh, yeah, like like I mentioned earlier, uh, part of the goal is always to come up with a a variety of stalls. So, you know, part part of the challenge for these, you know, uh, participants is that they need to come up with a unique concept because uh, if they're going to be selling what everybody else tries to sell or they're selling yeah. something pretty basic, they, they typically don't even make it to the, you know, to the contest itself because uh, uh, internally, it was always a goal for us to come up with a, a wide variety, right? So whether that would be cuisine um, or how they would innovate their uh, their meals or if they're offering something different what's the price for winning may ganun ba like for winning the JSEC challenge ano yung price oh the the price is you get the spot in the the JSEC section of school um and you get to start your business basically galing so habang college pa lang you get to experience set up a stall and a business eventually if like gusto nila matuloy Lupet na may ganun yung Ateneo na program. I also remember um, yung jeepney ba yun? May ganun ba sa Ateneo? Parang they'll send you to UP or whatever. Do you remember that? <laughs> kasi yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I mentioned, na, why I mentioned it, kasi I remember si Steph Veracruz. Nag, yeah. Nagman siya dun sa ano, computer shop sa UP. So, <laughs> so, pag alam ko nandun siya, pupunta ko doon, may keyprint ako. Hey, Steph, ano, free na tong R ko, ay ano ba? <laughs> kuya, kuya pa, ano? Like, sobrang funny lang na may ganang program na ewan. Anyway, Steph, thank you doon sa mga free R's tsaka pa print. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Jeep, if I remember correctly, that that stood for uh, Junior Engagement Program. Uh, I if I If I remember correctly. Um, and it is basically our immersion that everyone in third year had to take. So we we actually had a, a wide variety of choices. Uh, I actually also ended up uh, manning a stall in UP uh, as a as a photocopier. So, <laughs> yeah, that was that was fun. That was quite experience also. When I heard of it, no one I heard talk about it. Nag-immersion kayo sa UP. Grabe naman. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, let's go back to the, ano. Um, how did Play to Earn start? And, you know, it's such a great concept. Kasi, lalo na for Filipinos nung pandemic. Like, you're stuck in the house. And then you're presented with a game you can you can earn. Diba? So, parang sobrang appealing. So, how did 
play to earn start sayo how was it introduced okay um all right so i guess just a little context um i started my crypto journey uh just over a year ago um i have been uh i would say an observer of this space for quite some time wow you no, know, I I took a look at some of the macro factors. I I just followed the, you know, the major narratives around it, but I never really invested or, um, you know, took part in it. I I invested once. Like there was one time I put in money in I think 2017. Um, just to just to check it out. You know, I liked it. I took my money out, but you know that that was pretty much it. <laughs> I didn't do anything after that. Um, and then so yeah, just. I, I just followed the stories, the narratives. And then last year, around uh, January, Feb, I was introduced to my very first uh, NFT project. Okay, so it, it's called NBA Top Shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically digital collectibles. So you know how uh, people collect uh, sports cards, yeah. right? So people buy, sell, trade uh, sports cards. So uh, NBA Top Shot is just the digital version of that where you buy, trade, and sell basically highlights uh, of a game. Mm. So basically, you know, GIFs, yeah. <laughs> video clips, uh, buy, sell, and trade. So uh, I'm, I'm a huge NBA fan, and uh, I, I was introduced to that concept, and I, I really liked it. Uh, I, I thought it was a great application for crypto um, and, and, you know, sports, basically. Uh, so I got into that, and I just got hooked, right? So... Uh, I spent a lot of my time every week just, you know, looking at the marketplace, uh, participating in the events, you know, speaking to people. Uh, and that was really my first immersion, basically, in uh, in NFTs and crypto. And then a few months later, um, around May, June, uh, I got into Axie Infinity. So Axie is uh, the biggest NFT project at the moment. They're also the biggest player in game at the moment. Uh, they it was introduced to me by some of my friends who were also in Top Shot. So uh, because they were in Top Shot, they were also in crypto and other NFT projects, uh, and they inevitably introduced me to Axie. Uh, and I really liked the concept also of play to earn. So uh, I put in some funds. I I rented out my uh, Axies to you know uh, a few scholars, and uh, you know it just it just grew from there. So um, after that, yeah, it was just a uh, it's just been one project after the other, right? Just checking out every uh, play-to-earn game that catches my interest, uh, and in up to now, you know, I, I still participate in in all of these different play-to-earn games. Okay, yeah, may nakita ng meme actually, eh. like um, magdamag nagaaksi two pesos, parang ganon. So, yeah. <laughs> um, again, disclaimer: uh, as a person who's not um, into NFTs or you know, mga play to earn. I don't know. That's why. You, that's why you're here, bro. Um, where does the where where do you, how do you make money? Like from being a manager or kaya ba ng scholar? All right. So I think it's worth discussing just uh you know a bit the whole uh conversation around NFTs first. Sure. Okay. So uh, an NFT uh, or NFT stands for non fungible token. And one of the best ways to just look at it is that these are digital assets, right? So um, on a, a practical level, 
when you when you look at a game, for example, like uh, Valorant or uh, Dota, right? That, that's a really fun game. You can buy skins, right? You can buy all of these uh, aesthetics to improve their looks, you know, have auras, change their swords or weapons or whatever. Now, if you think about it, you don't really own those assets. I mean, yeah, you pay for it, you 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 buy them, but you don't really own them. They they are owned by the uh, the game developer, so you're not able to remove them from the game. You're not able to trade or buy and sell them very easily, right? Because uh, it's you know not really yours. Now, what NFTs are doing is that they're taking these digital assets from all of these environments and they're basically you know making it yours right so um that's why play to earn games is a is such a great application for nfts because you have all of these game assets that you you know you genuinely own like you can say that you own right and and you can prove that you can own because nfts are uh, crypto projects which are on the blockchain and the blockchain is basically it's this public ledger that proves ownership over you know, tokens and, and assets, basically. Yeah, so going into a game like Axie Infinity, the appeal there was, uh, was you know, related to what I had mentioned earlier, where as a player of the game, you actually own the assets that you play with, which in this case is the Axies that you, you can buy and breed and sell. And you are able to earn money from them also by playing the game. So the promise of play to earn as a whole is, you know, the 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 thesis that they have is you're you're spending all of this time playing a game, but you're not getting anything financially from it. Right? You're not you're not reaping any of the financial rewards. The developer takes all of those rewards basically. So play to earn is trying to give to trying to push back some of this value, financial value specifically, to the players. Right? Because the point is the, the point of many of these play to earn game publishers is you're playing it, you should have stake in it, right? You you should have say over it and you should own your assets. Um yeah, so you own these axes that you can buy, sell, and breed. Uh, and you're able to do that because these axes are technically NFTs, which are again digital assets on the blockchain. And uh, you know, at, at least for this conversation, uh, the biggest thing that you need to know here is that because they're on the blockchain, you can prove ownership, and and because you can prove ownership, you can truly say that you own some of these assets, right? And when in in this case, it's uh, these axes that you can uh, play with. Onga no parang. Okay, now that I understand a bit more about what they want to do is to give back na to the players. Parang, shit, I spent... <laughs> Shout out din kay Paolo. We spent so much sa Apex tsaka ML. Hindi kasi skinners kami eh. So, dapat pala asset namin yun, no? If ever play to earn so that. Pero galing. So, yun nga. It's better to be a manager than a scholar ba? Uh, well... Both have their pros and cons. So uh, a little, a little more context. Okay, so when Axie happened, uh, and they're actually they they've actually been around a while. Uh, they they started in 2017, 2018. So it's 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 been a, a really long time for them. Um, they actually did not come up with that scholarship program. It was something that people in the community came up with. 
because uh, it, it started out with a simple problem. So you had one collector, he had hundreds of axes, but you could only play three at a time. So he figured, you know what, um, you know, I, I should be able to rent these out because I, again, uh, I own these assets. Right? I, could, I could do what I want with them. So he rented them out uh, and the, the arrangement was pretty simple. Whatever this Axie earns in-game, you know, we basically just split it. You you take a cut because you're playing it. I take a cut because it's my asset. And that's where the scholarship program was born. So when Axie started getting popular, you had two major parties, right? You had the managers, uh, people like me, who we have uh, financial resources to invest in these Axies, but we don't have the time to play. Okay, and then you have the other party, which are the scholars or the players, where they might not necessarily have the means to invest in an Axie, but they have the time and they want to play. So that's where you know the supply kind of meets the demand, and that's where you know the popularity came from. Uh, where, for example, in my case, I have uh, about twenty scholars now, Ooh. and they play my. Axes that the axes that I own. So and we we take a we we split basically whatever they they're able to earn from uh, playing the game. Cha ching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, other than Axie Infinity, what other play to earn um are you trying right now? Right. So I'm involved in quite a few actually. So uh, I have to first mention Guild of Guardians. Uh. Only because I'm an ambassador for the game. <laughs> so I, I have to shout them out first. Um, yeah, so Guild of Guardians is a, a really interesting game. They're launching their alpha version uh, hopefully next quarter. Um, and their beta version at the end of the year or early next year. So that's uh that that should be really exciting. It's a it's a game heavily inspired by Diablo. So you dungeons uh with with a hero that you have uh but what makes this fun is that it's a team game so you actually have to uh team up with other players and then you're going to clear dungeons together so yeah that's a fun and it's a mobile first team so uh, that should that should be exciting um the second game that i'm heavily involved with is called pegaxi so that's a that's a fun game also it's a horse racing game basically <laughs> where you own pegas uh, so these are like digital horses virtual horses and then they race with other pegas or, or other uh, horses and then you know you win a prize at the end of the the game uh right now it's completely random so you aren't able to influence the outcome a lot um but the game is so new like they only launched uh i i believe it was just early last december so uh they're in the very early stages of their game uh and they have shared that they are going to be creating you know ways for us to influence the the race results right so we don't know anything about that yet but uh yeah uh at, at this moment at least it's all just still completely random but let's go to the yung art side naman. i'm also interested about the art side of yung nfts nga. Paano siya, like yung ownership, um, how, how, do they, how does the blockchain know it's yours? Like, can you explain it further? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. So, um, how can I explain this in a simple manner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, I, 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 I look at it like this. So, the blockchain is basically a public ledger. 
Okay, so it's a it's a ledger. So think of it like a journal of all of a, of all of the transactions that happen within a certain project. For example, uh, this ledger is being maintained by hundreds of computers around the world, and that's what makes it safe because there isn't one middleman or one institution that influences the ledger. Mm. So, for example, if I had bad intentions and I wanted to lie about the transaction, uh, I wouldn't be able to do that because I'll basically have to convince every other computer or network owner in the world to allow my false transaction to happen. Which, again, for them, because their incentive is to keep the integrity of the ledger, uh, they won't allow my false transaction to happen. Okay, so uh, this started out with Bitcoin, where they had that basic mechanic of uh, removing the middleman and allowing uh, people to self-govern themselves. And, and because uh, the network is reliant on people watching out for every other transaction or watching other people's transactions, uh, it's pretty much safe, right? So we're able to maintain a ledger uh, publicly because you have all of these people around the world managing the network. There's not just one person, all right? So so when we move into NFTs, that's how we're able to prove ownership, right? Because uh, each person that engages with a, a blockchain project uh, we're given a wallet and it's like a digital wallet. It's a digital signature that's unique to you mm -hmm. or unique to your wallet. And we're able to see if my wallet owns a certain asset because we can verify it on the public ledger. So in the case of Axie, you're able to see all of the Axies that I own using uh, if you check out my wallet because it's publicly available for I mean, anyone who takes a look at the the blockchain that powers Axie. Okay, so hindi pala siya pwede talagang like, yeah, I'll screenshot this you know, board ape ba yan? And then, kasi ma-detect yeah. nga na it's not really yours. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that, that's one of the uh, common arguments, no? Uh, why why own uh, a photo or why mm -hmm. buy a photo of a monkey, exactly. for example? If I can just right-click save it. Yeah. And in the example that I always like to share is, well, the Mona Lisa, you can Google her image, you can print it, right? you can hang it on your wall for all we care, but there's only one original Mona Lisa that we all agree, and it's in France. Mm. right? And, and if you want to sell your version of the Mona Lisa, good luck finding anyone who will take you seriously because, yes. again, yes. the real one is in a museum. Yeah. So very similar to uh, digital assets like art, you know, collectibles. It's the same kind of logic. Where yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You can watch a YouTube video of this NBA highlight that I own. Mm -hmm. You can right click save this image of a monkey or a cat that I own. But you don't really own the asset, right? You own a copy of it. And when you need to sell it or when you need to use it for you know whatever utility you need it for you can't use it because it's not the original copy, basically. So would you say uh, NFTs right now at this state, is it safe? Uh, safe is relative. So I, I'd like to think that if you're very careful with uh, you know, how you operate online, you should be fine. Uh, you, you, you won't run the risk of uh, getting your assets stolen. 
you know, but like anything, right? Uh, there are bad actors in this space. There are people who will try to send you phishing links or or try to scam you out yeah, sure. uh, of your assets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not it's not too different from how we you see it with other you know asset banking or Gcash or whatever. Um, any myths you want to debunk when it comes to NFTs, like? Let's say, yung mga doodle ko ba nung high school, pwede ko gawing NFT yung mga ganun. Yeah, technically, technically you can. And um, one, I guess like a way to think about it is, yes, you can turn anything into an NFT, but it doesn't necessarily mean it will have any value to other people uh, other than yourself. Right? So I, I think what, some people find ridiculous is that okay, like this is random photo that they put up and then somebody exactly. buys it, right? And and I understand how that could sound ridiculous, but uh, that doesn't mean anything that you put up there will have somebody buy or have somebody want to buy it, right? Um, there has to be some demand for somebody to pick that out, uh, and and yeah, so yes, you can technically. <laughs> Upload anything and then turn it into an NFT, but it's a whole different conversation. You know, finding somebody who wants to buy. Napping kana yung mga notebook. No, but kasi mayroon ay so parang yung tweet niya na screenshot or like the guy who sold this um selfies, de ba? Yeah. So ibig sabihin may demand for his selfies. Yeah. So what ended up happening with that guy is he became a meme. Uh so people you know got hyped up about it they started buying out his selfies um and then other people who wanted to buy into it later <laughs> they bought it at a higher yeah. price and it just uh it it just went from higher price to higher price until somebody until eventually they ran out of people to buy it you know? so, na. yeah exactly exactly so yeah, l- luckily for that guy yeah. right? he was just in the right place at the right time and uh the internet found him amusing um, and uh, he was rewarded for that, but that's really an exception to the rule. Um, and just because he he did it, you know, doesn't mean you can replicate it. Because uh, that that to me was just uh you know, it was just the perfect timing for him, basically. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, you got somebody who you know looked interesting, and you had uh, a bunch of people on the internet who thought it would be funny to make him a meme that way. Uh, and you know that's what happens. <laughs> Ito bro, um, it just popped up of my head. Um, I don't know if controversial, but like, isn't the yung super mayaman lang yung nagbe-benefit from nawa from crypto and stuff? Because sila yung nagpapaikot. Uh, you could say that. You could say that. Uh, and and that would be a valid argument. But one thing that I you know I, I guess. I, I I think about also is that that's true for any other market, right? Because uh, you know, if you have financial resources and you're able to increase those financial resources, that's typically what happens, right? So it's true with the crypto market, but it's true with any other market where uh you can buy and sell anything. Yeah, because I brought it up. Like I remember lang yung kay. Siguro I watched a video of uh, a YouTube video of a hater. I don't know, pero yung kay Gary V like super influential person and then he promotes his own nfts and super lakas niya mag-push on nfts uh yun lang kaya ko siya na bring up sige actually we have listener questions nox iba na tayo ngayon guys um 
<laughs> People are sending questions and engaging. So, listener questions. Okay. Uh, when did you see the potential in investing in cryptocurrency? Oh, uh, that was definitely when I was introduced to Top Shot. Uh, that was my come to Jesus moment where, because mm-hmm. uh, my, my problem, uh, at least you know, with my initial knowledge of crypto before, was that it seemed so uh, far away from the average user where, and where only a small percentage of people you know, really understood it and, and really uh, use it. Right. And, and I always had, I always took issue with that where, okay, you have this technology, but it's not something that a lot of people understand and use. Mm-hmm. And then I was introduced to top shot where you really don't have to know, or you don't really have to understand that it works on crypto. You just use it. And then that to me was like the, that was the, again, like the come to Jesus, hallelujah moment where <laughs> Wow. Angel singing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Sean, like, if, if you think about it, that that's really where I feel like we're headed. Right? So, for example, right now, uh, with the internet and the apps that we use, the, the average person doesn't know how to explain how it works. Right? I, I genu- Even if my career is on Facebook, I genuinely cannot explain to you how it works on the back end or how the internet behind it works. Right? I just use these apps. And, and it's going to be the same for crypto and blockchain in the next few years, where people are just going to use it like any other thing, right? They don't have to understand like how it works on the yeah, back end. Yeah, yeah. So when I saw NBA Top Shot and I saw NFTs, that was the moment for me where I realized like, wow, this, this is it. Like this is how people are going to use crypto and blockchain without having to understand how it works. And then that to me was always like the missing piece, and I, I had to see it for myself. So, yeah, when I when I got into NBA Top Shot and I you know, started using it, I started collecting. Uh, I just fell in love with this space, and uh, and I, I see myself being very active here in the next few years and the you know the years to come after that. <laughs> thank you, NBA Top Shot. Yeah, thank so, you. A lot. <laughs> did you have you earned from those gifs? Uh, if you look at my portfolio, it's uh. In the green, right? So on on paper, uh, I have made a profit, but uh, uh, my my mindset, especially with NBA Top Shot, is that it's uh it's a really it's a long term thing. I, mm-hmm. I I feel like my kids are going to be the ones who benefit from it the most. Um, the same way anyone who is collecting Michael Jordan cards, uh, cards yeah. early on <laughs> would have benefited from that. So. Yeah, uh, definitely something for my kids. Uh, not not so much for me. Uh, so if your kids listen to this message, Nejo, ano mas mabenta sa top shot? Um, mga magagandang play or yung mga flop, yung mga shakti na fool ganun. Okay, so they actually don't have that yet, uh, and I'm I'm hoping that they do. Uh, no no signs of that happening yet. Uh, but unsurprisingly, Sean, actually mm-hmm. the most you know, valuable moments uh, that, that's what it's called moments the, the most valuable moments are actually the ones of the uh, nba superstars right so lebron james steph curry Giannis. uh these are the guys that have the highest valued moments yes, because yeah. they are you know the most popular players on the in the league right now yeah it's parang cards nga lang diba yung pinaka valuable yung mga superstars yep yep 
Okay, next listener question. Do you think tax will eventually reach crypto in the Philippines? Like, uh, I think sort of regulation yung sinasabi niya. Uh, well, actually, technically, it's already here. So, uh, you have to be able to declare taxes on gains you make on sales of assets. Right? So, very similar to if you make uh, gains on a stock purchase or on equity of a business. You have to pay taxes uh, to that uh, for that, uh, and it's the same with crypto. So any crypto gains that you make, you're technically supposed to be declaring that to the BIR. Mm-hmm. Um, but relating to any specific regulation or taxes for crypto, we don't have that yet. Yeah, but okay. yeah, I, I, again, for most crypto people, they they really have to be paying their taxes on these gains because uh, that's you know it's that that's clearly in the, you know that's where we're, we're headed I mean, yeah yeah i i don't know if we're going to have regulations very specific to crypto uh but you know again any gains that you make on assets that you own you know you're supposed to be declaring that anyway so yeah technically we have that already nice nice okay next listener question how do you spot good nfts any procedure or groups that you have or follow uh yeah, so I, I can share a few uh, pieces of advice here. So I think the first one is just to immerse yourself in in different projects. Uh, I feel like I'm able to choose projects to uh, get into because I know what I like and what I don't like. And so I I have that kind of intuition that I have built out, mm-hmm. uh, and I have that driven primarily by the fact that I have in involved myself in various projects, right? So I'm able to get a gauge of what I like and what I don't like. Um, and then second, I think being active in the space and seeing uh, news on all of these uh, uh, upcoming projects or updates on uh, projects that are, uh, that are already running, uh, I think that's a, that's a great avenue also. So um, the, the ultimate... Uh, NFT starter kit includes a Twitter account, which is where a lot of the action Damn. happens. Yeah, and a Discord Yo, account actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, actually, Sean, pretty funny. So I stopped using Twitter for a while. <laughs> I only <laughs> got back into it because of NFTs. So I actually made a an NFT Twitter account you know, just mm-hmm. just for that. Yeah, I never got into Twitter because I know how toxic it can be. But I see people nga sharing what they learn so NFTs. Parang ako, oh, should I make one? <laughs> but yeah, I think siguro I will for NFTs nga. Yeah, yeah, and actually, Sean, I I had the same problem as you. Uh, I I didn't like it because it was so toxic. But when I started a new one, I realized that you know I could curate the way I could curate my feed the way that I wanted. So, um, you know, I. I'm able to do that now, uh, and it's been, it's been mostly positive because again, I'm I'm very picky now with who I follow yeah. and who I uh, engage with on Twitter. Na filter mo na yung feed. Like um, I guess with ginawa ko sa Facebook when I started freelancing, ginawa ko siyang um professional ano ko page ko like LinkedIn. So I was sad because I couldn't share any more memes. <laughs> but yeah, I guess yeah, tama yun. You can curate your your feed para hindi siya as toxic nga. Yep, yep. Uh, pero back to that question, factor ba yung look ng NFT? Kasi syempre art siya eh. Like, nag-factor in ba yung ah, gusto ko ng art na to? Or it all depends on what you can do with it after? Yung utility niya? Yeah, yeah. So, 
uh, other than the art uh, and, and the aesthetics, one thing that you definitely have to look at is the utility of the project. Okay, so many projects, they build out their community, or they build out their uh, you know, NFT collection with the goal of offering utility or perks for owning uh, these assets. Okay, so, I mean, many projects are only there or they only exist just for the aesthetic value, which is uh, okay also. But what many projects do now is that uh, they find ways to make it interesting to become a holder uh, of their project. So that's definitely something that you need to uh, take a look at also if you're interested in buying a, a project. Any example you have of a utility that an NFT has? So uh, some of the more popular ones are in uh, in-person events. So many popular NFT projects have hosted parties, get-togethers, meetups. Uh, of course, you have your merch, right? So there's exclusive merch for holders. So t-shirts, hats, stickers. Um, what I have enjoyed particularly are online experiences, right? So some NFT projects uh, open you uh, opportunities to play games or to have only uh, these online-only experiences in the metaverse, as they say. Uh, and my favorite, actually, my favorite utility at the moment is holding up is is when you hold a project and they're able to gain uh, like waitlist spots in other projects that are you know, just about to launch, right? So, for example, if you hold this one project because they're a very popular project, other projects would like you know their members of the community to come to them. So they offer spots to give away uh, to these members. So that's that's another nice perk of uh, holding into a project because uh, because your project is pretty popular and you're a holder of a popular project. Newer projects always want to partner with you uh, and you typically get first access to that. Galing. So community nga siya. Like let's say uh, owners tayo ng board ape. Like we have those perks. Depende na lang kung ano siya. Yeah. Basically. Okay, gets, gets. Galing. You learn stuff. Galing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Itong next question, medyo na, no, kasi I don't know the words in this sentence, but do you think NFTs will eventually move into Cardano seeing that there are already NFTs in Solana? Uh, so, okay, just, just to explain to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's, not, what? that's not super foreign to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Cardano is a very popular blockchain project. Okay, so there are projects that are built on the Cardano network, or if you want to think about it like this, you can say Cardano technology. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are projects that are built on Solana technology or the, Sol the Solana blockchain. So it's two completely different environments uh, and they have different requirements for NFTs. Um, yeah, so uh, the most popular one right now is Ethereum. So that's where most projects are based on. Um, and then I'd like to think that the next popular one is Solana. You have many projects choosing to launch there instead. Uh, and then Cardano is very promising. They have a very strong base of uh, users. Um, and I think all they need is uh, you know a handful of signature NFT projects to get people to uh, set up shop there instead. Mm -hmm. um, oh, oh, here, Sean. Like maybe mm -hmm. maybe this is easier to understand. Think of them as real estate, where you if you had to set up your building or your business, 
you have to choose a plot of land, right? Or a place to set up shop. Yeah. Right? So most people prefer Ethereum because that's where most people are already operating in. But for some people, they like the benefits and perks of setting up shop on Solana instead. Uh, or they want to launch, you know, in somewhere more, somewhere more unique. So they will launch, for example, in a project like Cardano. So yeah, that's one way to look at it, that it's, uh, it's like real estate. And then iba-iba siya ng value. Like Solana has a different um, conversion with cash or whatever. Yes, yes. Because they're technically not the same uh, technology. Uh, you you could look at it like that. They're, because they're not this, they don't use the same token. They're not, they're not exactly the same asset. Uh, you can't compare them one is to one. Okay, okay. Next. What is the difference between minting and getting whitelisted? Oh, okay. Uh, so there is no real difference. There, there are two different aspects to uh, NFTs. So minting, minting a project means uh, you're able to you know, basically buy an NFT that the project is launching. So, so for example, let's say I, I launch uh, my NFT project. When you buy from me on my website, you technically mint an NFT, which means uh, you're creating a new asset on the blockchain mm-hmm. uh, by buying from me, right? So okay. the, the asset does not exist until you buy it from me. So when you buy it, you're technically creating a new NFT on the blockchain. And that that whole process is called minting. minting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that, that's the term. And then uh, getting on the whitelist or the waitlist, uh, so there's this trend right now with many projects where they won't open the sale up to the public, but they're going to be only opening it up to people who are on the wait list. And so people mm. who get to reserve a spot, basically. So a, a guarantee that they get a chance to buy uh, a project. Um, yeah, so that, that whole process is uh, is completely different. You know, okay. Thing. Yeah, you, you could do both. Uh, you, know, you, you get on the wait list first and then you mint. Okay, tama, tama. So you get waitlisted, and then when you when the launching project, you buy it. That's when you that's minting. Yes, yes. Ah, yes. What about buying from OpenSea or buying from contracts? Okay, so OpenSea is uh, a marketplace for NFTs. Um, and if you want to look at them on a more technical level, Sean. They are like an aggregator of all of these contracts on the blockchain, mm-hmm. and they allow you to interact with you know any contract that's uh, listed on OpenSea. Okay, so uh, when you so it's it's just basically a UX UI situation yeah. where if you want an easier, more straightforward way to mint a project or buy into a project, you could just use OpenSea. That's what they built the the interface for. Um, or you know if you're Techie, or you want to go straight to the source, you can uh, buy or mint projects from the contract itself. So that it's like you're going direct to the the source of the NFT. Nice, yeah. Nakita ko open sea, parang platform na puro NFTs. But as you said, if techie ka nga and mas gusto mo dun sa source, you can you can buy directly from that uh, creator or whatever. Yeah, basically. Nice. After buying NFTs, how do you resell to get profit? Um, who sets prices? Oh, so so uh, you get to sell them on a marketplace like OpenSea, um, and the market sets the price. Okay, so 
Um, what's really interesting about most NFT projects is that it's a, it's a very friendly reminder, a fun reminder of a very basic economic principle, which is supply and demand. That if you have a, a small supply of something but high demand, usually you will have an increase in price, right? And then the opposite is true. If you have a high amount of something and low demand, you typically have a low price. So many NFT projects just move in that spectrum where if you have a sudden spike of demand because people are FOMOing into a project mm -hmm. or they suddenly get hyped up and they want to get into it, and, and because most NFT projects have a very limited supply, you typically see an increase in price. Right, mm -hmm. and then uh, the opposite happens uh, eventually, uh, where you no longer have that demand anymore. You know, they not not a lot of people are buying in, or you don't have a lot of new people buying in, and but you still have all of this supply that uh, was listed at some price, uh, and that's where you typically see people uh, lowering their prices because again, there's just no more demand for it. Gets, gets. So how do you spot good NFTs? Like, um, do you just have to be active in that space? Yeah, yeah, there's just no way around it. Um, because there's just so many things that are happening every day. Like so many projects launch you know, almost every day now. Uh, you really have to get immersed into this space so that you don't you know, miss out on a new project that's upcoming. Or at the very least, uh, you need to be with a group of friends who are looking at these things every day and, and, and have them give you like a heads up if there's a new project coming up. Magbo-boom to, ganun, like, you heads up kanila. Yeah, basically how, basically. how do you how do you know about that? Like, let's say there's a project and then how do you know if um, it's going to boom or something? Oh, so here's the thing, Sean. Like, you don't really know. Um you really can't tell if something is going to be successful yeah. or not. I mean, there are indicators, right, that you check out. There are there, there's a checklist that you might have, but you know, there's absolutely no guarantee that something will do well, or that something will do well for a you know long period of time. Um, like any market, you know, you'll see your ups and downs, and uh, yeah, that's just really how it is. Yeah, I guess the best way is to be active and spot those and see na lang if it's gonna work. Getting. The pet, yeah, the pet. Exactly. Okay, bonus question. Um, back against the wall, uh, you're about to be broke. Are NFTs and play to earn like viable to save your ass? No, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Um, I attribute a lot of my success in this space right now to the fact that my business is doing really well. Um, and I'm able to cover a lot of my basic expenses, you know, and, and save up a little bit. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not worried about that. So everything extra that I am able to set aside, uh, I use for crypto. Um, and, and I thought that was extremely helpful for me because, um, I had a better or a stronger, uh, psychology coming into this space. Where, for example, if I get into a project and it doesn't do well, I don't feel so bad about it because at the end of the day, it wasn't, it was money that I was willing to lose. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, versus if you were coming into this space and this was everything that you, this is the only source of your income, um, it just, it's, it's hard. It's not impossible. Okay. So I, I do know uh, a handful of people who are full time in, the, in this space, but 
because of the volatility and you just you really can't tell sometimes um how long a project will be successful it's uh it's yeah. equally stressful <laughs> yeah so so my my opinion there is um you know back against the wall uh while it is very lucrative you know the risks are high and then the rewards are high also but you know if uh, if it came down to you know a life or death situation uh i i will always fall back into a, a boring business as they say because that, that to me is more reliable than uh, crypto yeah i guess with any um with any investment or assets you have to be smart then about it and that's good na you cover your basics and then yung extra mo pinapang nfts mo na yeah, yeah, and and although, and I just wanna contextualize that. I that that's not to say that there is no risk in business. There is mm-hmm. definitely. There is, yeah. Um, but in the right business, in the right situation, you're able to control your risks more. There's a little less volatility, especially if you uh, pick less volatile businesses to get into, versus crypto, where there's just so many factors. Uh, there are almost no fundamentals <laughs> to to take a look at and uh yeah again you're you're at the mercy of uh the market basically. the market yeah i wanted to add to that like tayo we have a skill sa freelancing uh, and that um it's good now we have that kasi if laasa lang tayo sa nfts yun nga, like you said we're at the mercy of the market but if we have a skill na we know can earn we always have that to you know to back that up like kaya natin parang ganun yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, usually by the end of the episode, I have a lesson or key takeaway. But for this episode, I want it to come from you. Because galeng eh, how important are trends and how do you spot it early? Because for me, um, you're always ahead, bro. Like, de ba nga? Yeah. Like from the start, from oh freelancing, my agency na siya. Tapos ngayon NFTs, parang ganon. Um. Okay, so I think it just goes back to uh, my marketing background and what I like about marketing specifically. And then what I've always enjoyed with marketing is just human behavior. Um, if, if you think about it, Sean, my job in marketing is just communicating uh, solutions that people have, uh, that people want. So people have problems, they, they will pay for these problems to go away. And you have me marketing where I basically shine the light on some of these solutions that they're looking for. And and because that's been my world for you know the last few years, like I I I don't know. I, I feel like it's just, it just comes naturally for me to see what other ways people can solve their problems or what other ways can technology specifically solve problems of people. Um and and yeah, and, and that's that's what that's what always uh, catches my attention, and um, that's why I I tend to gravitate towards these kinds of spaces because I, I I just see that dynamic where one thing that is going to be certain no matter what point in time we're in is that people are going to have problems, and they're going to lean on technology to solve these problems. Uh, and for me, if I want to be somebody who is a thought leader, if I want to be somebody who is an expert in these technologies, I have to get there early, right? I have to see what it looks like early. Um, and and you know, that's why digital marketing made sense to me. And, and that's why NFTs make sense to me now, because uh, the way that I see it, NFTs, crypto, blockchain, these things solve problems that 
many other people will have, not just a small group of people that uh, that are into it now. Eventually, these are going to be problems. Uh, these are going to be uh, these technologies are going to be solutions rather to problems that the average person will have. And uh, I'm I'm all for that, right? I'm I'm all for getting to that point where I'm I'm immersing myself, and eventually, you know, I, I'm I'm I can call myself as the uh, the quote unquote expert in the field because of the the years that I spent learning it. Yeah, and actually, I wanted to add to that. Na it's important na you get to see the trends, but what's equally important is to adapt to the trends. Because like um with me, sa email marketing, um I'm I'm lucky to have a community to back me up. Because like what happened with the iOS thing and the privacy, diba? So um open rates were not as like a big of a metric anymore. So it's more of like click rates. So nakita yung trend but it's better to adapt with the trend yeah to to thrive Baga. yeah yeah and i you know this is again one of the things that is certain across wherever point in history you look people are always going to innovate the solutions that they mm-hmm. use like it's just uh that's that's just it right it's super cliche but the only thing constant is change um yeah. and no matter how hard we tried to resist TV, TV happened. No matter how hard we tried to resist the internet, the internet happened. We tried to resist social media, social media happened. And I'm seeing the exact same dynamic here with crypto and, and blockchain where you know, most people press against it because it's a change that they don't want to welcome. But the way that I see it, it's change that is going to happen because it's you know, uh, a better way of doing these things that uh, the blockchain solves, basically. So to me, it's inevitable <laughs> because that's just how it works. Uh, everything just changes. Yeah, okay. After this, I'm research now. Habol na Yeah. Yeah, so uh, guys, join the discussion. What do you think of play-to-earn and NFTs? Are they good investments? Hit me up on Instagram at Chano Speaks Podcast. Thank you so much, Miggy. Sobrang solid na episode. Um, dami ko natutunan and I hope the listeners learned a lot too. Good man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, thank you. Speak soon. Bye-bye.